Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Today's message is called, Where Do You Find Your Rest? And so I have a question. How many people here would consider themselves a napper? And when I say a napper, I mean, <laughs> we got a lot of hands going up right now. <laughs> Woo! All right. Like, if you have the slightest bit of time in your day, you will take that 20 minutes, that hour, God bless you, sometimes that two hours, and you will take it and you will use it to sleep. Perhaps you nap in your favorite chair. Perhaps you fall asleep on the couch. Perhaps you fall asleep while watching TV. And once that decision is made to take a nap, whether it is a decision or not, within minutes, maybe even seconds, you are totally absent from the world and what is going on around you. Maybe the only sign of life is the snoring. So why do you nap? Is it stress? Is it boredom? Maybe it's both of those, and maybe it falls under one thing, and that's busyness. And throughout the course of our lives, we have priorities. And sometimes those priorities continue on for a season and then they stop and we get new priorities. But there's one thing that doesn't stop. Busyness doesn't stop. It just changes. It just adapts. And we live in a world where being busy is a sign of worry. Right on. If we're not busy... There's something wrong. If we're not busy, then often people will think, well, you're either lazy or something's wrong. And I'm willing to bet if I asked five of you in this room today how you're doing, without even any reasoning, you'd say, you're tired. This has become a cultural habit. We're, most, we're more used to tiredness in this world then we're used to restfulness. And with that, we come into this sense of living in a tired state where it's almost like being tired is an affirmation of ourselves. That by being tired, we're doing a good job. We're living life. We're doing something right. I did well this week. I'm tired. I did well today. I could go to bed right now. (laughs) I hope my sermon doesn't put you to sleep. (laughs) Yet, in the Word of God, there is a constant idea and practice of Sabbath. So what is Sabbath? Sabbath is a day of religious observance and abstinence from work. 
kept by Jewish people from Friday evening to Saturday evening, and by most Christians on Sunday. I once heard that for the Christian, and for most people, our week starts by waking up. And as a Christian, our week starts by waking up, and it starts in a day of the presence of the Lord. An intentional day in the presence of the Lord. So, what should Sabbath be in our life? What should it represent to the life of the believer? How should it be practiced? What is it? How do we practice it? If we go to Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We're given a reminder right off the bat. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So how do we keep it holy, you might ask? We participate in the original design. So often we can get caught up in that God made the earth in six days. And that he rested on the seventh. And we come into that mindset of, I'll work six days and then on the seventh day I'll rest. Because of my tiredness. But really, the design comes from a blueprint of creation. God worked six days, but he didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He rested on the seventh day because he took enjoyment and pleasure in the work he had done. And if you notice in the Bible, in all the days there's day and night. But on the seventh day, there's no mention of day and night. Because it was symbolic of a life that was to be lived out. A life of restfulness. It says in Genesis... Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He rested on the Sabbath. It was a holy day. It was marked by him. He took enjoyment in it. So my question to you is, when's the last time, when's the last time you rested and weren't thinking about what had to be done tomorrow or the following week or it had been accomplished this past week or what you didn't accomplish this past week? Without Sabbath, Christians can get caught up between two crosses. The, the cross that is the regrets of yesterday, 
the regrets of yesterday, and the other cross is the worries of tomorrow. Because we have taken our eyes off the cross and ahead of it, the empty tomb that is empty. When the reality is if we just took time to focus on the presence, those two crosses wouldn't seem so big. We wouldn't worry so much. We wouldn't have as many regrets because we'd be operating in the presence of God. Our dependency on God is shown in our present presence of his goodness. How present are we in his presence? You can be present somewhere, but not have presence. Today you're present, but your willingness to participate will dictate your presence. In Sabbath, we push aside the isolated I have to's and the I need to's. And, with our, and through the refuge of the Father, we come to a place where our heart, mind, and soul say, I want to because I need you. To know him, it, Sabbath allows us to know him better. And through him for us to begin to know ourselves better. To know who we are becoming will better equip us to understand what we are doing and therefore where we must be going. Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand when I awake. I am still with you. When we're in the presence of God, we're reminded that he knew us before anyone else. That he knit us together. He framed us. He formed us. And he purposed us. And that in our new life, that we are still with him. That we have an opportunity to take time in the presence of God, the one who knit us together, who crafted our nature and formed our life. And through taking time to rest in his presence, we are able to take a spiritual inventory of our lives. What needs reviving, what needs finding, or better yet, what needs rejoicing? What are the things in our lives that have, have gone dead? What are the things in our life that we're searching for in order to find so that we may walk further in purpose? 
And what can I rejoice about today, no matter my circumstance, what can I rejoice about today? In his presence, because he is with me and he has formed me. Author and pastor Pete Scazzaro says, You can give what you do not possess. What you do is important, but who you are is more, even more important. The state you are in is the state you give to others. Think of that for a minute. The state you are in is the state you give to others. In your tired state, you give tiredness to others. In your joyful state, you give joy to others. In your broken state, you're giving brokenness to others. Sabbath brings realignment of our soul to God. The one who creates us and the one who works on us. Who will bring us to completion. So by taking Sabbath, we allow our hearts to ha- we are We are allowing our hearts to open and we are allowing it to happen in our lives. How does Sabbath happen in our lives? Three things. We listen before we do. We create a space and attentiveness for God to speak to us. Think of that for a moment. We create a space and we are attentive for God to speak to us. So often in our lives, we're saying, God, I need a word from you. I need, I need something that's going to encourage me, that's going to fill me. But yet, as we're saying that, we're going from one thing to the next to the next, and we're not actually taking time to abide. We're asking, but we're not listening. We begin to sound like someone in a play doing a monologue. Are we really talking to God or are we talking to ourselves? We haven't found that quiet place. We seek him in our quiet place. That he may speak to us. That he may speak to us through creation. Everything around us was established by him. And that he may speak to us by his spirit. That still small voice. Uh, probably a couple months into starting here, there was one day, and the staff know, and they're going to laugh as I start to tell this story. There was a day uh, the church needed something from Staples. And I went over to Staples, I went in, I got it. I came back out, and I was going across the parking lot, I looked over, and there was two men standing in the parking lot. And one man, clearly frustrated, because his moped or motorized scooter, fairly big scooter, had been knocked over. And the other man is there, and he's trying to help him. But this man is so focused on what had fallen over that he's not listening to the one trying to help him. 
And all of a sudden, he looks over, and he sees me walking across the parking lot. And he goes, hey, you. And he walks over. And me thinking that maybe he, they need my help, I stop. But instead of asking for help, he goes, is there something you want to tell me? And in what I would like to think was the genuineness of my heart, but I know it was the wittiness of my mind, I said, Jesus loves you. And he looked at me, and he rolled his eyes and goes, no, seriously, is there something you want to tell me? And I said, sir, if I knocked over your moped, and I really didn't want to get caught, I don't think I would have parked five to seven spots over from you. And he shook his head and goes, that's true. And he walked away. The key to that story is not what happened to me, but that man's life. He got so focused on what had fallen over in his life that he, he didn't set his eyes on the helper. He didn't set on who is trying to speak to him. Yet he set his focus on what might be his own solution. What might be his fix. When really the helper was right there. Secondly, we become admirers of the canvas that we take in the beauty of the picture that God has painted, the world he has formed, that he created the heavens and the earth, that all of creation is ordained by God, it's established by God, and that every breath that comes from us or any living creature is from him. And as long as we have life and we can see the beauty of creation, we will always be reminded of where he has brought us and therefore where he is leading us. That he's not finished with us, but he's with us. And that he goes before us at the same time. And thirdly, we become refuge seekers. We find our place. We find rest for our souls and for our being. When we're tired and weary, we know where our refuge is. We find comfort from our hurt and we take in promises despite inflicted lies. Back in November, I took a two-week staycation. And leading up to it, I was looking forward to it. And at the time, leading up to those two weeks, I just, I just found myself really tired and drained, 
and feeling like I didn't have much to give. And so I get to the two weeks, and for the first three days, I was so restless. And I was like, no, what? That's okay. Maybe this is just me slowing down. The next three days, still restless. Thinking about what I had done before I went on vacation and what I had to do when I got back from staycation. My mind continually going, thinking of different things. Wearing myself out. And the second week came, and I still felt that way. And I got to see some friends, and that was enjoyable, don't get me wrong. But I came to a spot where I actually almost came back into the church. I almost said, forget it. And I partly didn't because I knew God didn't want, I knew God wanted me where I was. And then the other part was I knew I was probably going to get kicked out by one of our staff here. For good reason. And so I come back off the staycation. And internally, I'm not at peace with God. God, why didn't you refresh me? Why do I feel the same way I did prior to the time off? And the Wednesday night that week, I went for a drive after Awana. And I had it out with God. If you drove past me while I was driving, you, you would have thought, that guy's not having a good day. And in the middle of the drive, I came to a moment of quietness. And the Lord so clearly spoke to me and he asked me, where do you find your rest? Where do you find your rest? It's not convicting at all, eh? So I got home, and I just sat on my couch in silence. Not knowing what to do, say, or think. Partly convicted by the question, and a slightly annoyed that a good God answered my question with a question. I'm glad I'm not alone on that. And so the next morning I woke up, and I came into the church, and a friend of mine that I connect weekly with who pastors up north, he called me, and before this conversation could even get anywhere, he said to me, Brother, I just feel like I have to ask you this. Are you abiding in the presence of God enough? Right there and then was a moment of repentance for me. All the weariness I got caught up in was only a product of my broken self. The weariness I had allowed myself to come into 
was the weariness I was probably giving to others. I had been so focused on doing God's work that I had been sporadic in becoming his child. I had missed so so many opportunities to hear his voice and be in his presence. And because of that, I had allowed myself, his vessel, to run low. James 4.8 says, "Come Come near to me, God, and he will come near to you. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. If we put those two together, come near to God and he will come near to you. He is our refuge, he is our strength. He is your refuge, he is your strength, an ever-present help in your trouble. Your trouble doesn't have to be literal trouble. Trouble around you, it doesn't have to be that. It can be trouble in here. What do the eyes of your heart need to be open to? Are you abiding in the presence? So often, as, as we as a church, as we are going through a time of prayer and fasting, it's important that we don't treat prayer prayer and fasting like a religious habit, but more like a relational exercise. That there is someone who we're actually talking to. There's someone we're actually doing it for. It's not just this thing to bring us to peace, but we're drawing closer in relationship to the one who created you, who knit you together. And so I ask you today, are you finding your rest? Are you finding your Sabbath? Relaxing from the busyness and filling it with his presence. Detaching from your broken will to establish more of his will. And listening to his voice instead of listening to the noise. This is crucial as we press in and pray and fast for the Spirit of God to reveal himself to us and to be poured out anew among us. And maybe you're here today and you have been fasting and you have been praying. You're fasting and you're praying into your life, your family's life. You're praying and you're fasting into the church. But nothing is changing. You feel like you're talking to dead silence. You're still tired. You're still weary. You're still discouraged. You're still broken. The question you can ask yourself right now is, am I present to my father? And have I allowed him to embrace me as his child? Again, to take Sabbath is to listen for his voice. I'm reminded of this through the story of Samuel. Samuel. 
Samuel goes to bed one night, and three times the Lord calls out to him. And all three times, he goes to Eli, thinking Eli has called him. And all three times, Eli sends him back saying, I didn't call you. But on the third time, before he sends him back, he says, Samuel, the Lord is calling you. So next time he calls, say, I am, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And sure enough, the, finally, the fourth time when God calls to him, Samuel responds. Prior to that, Samuel didn't know the voice of God. It took a moment of restfulness, a moment of peace, a quiet moment in a quiet place for Samuel to hear the voice of God. And maybe that's what we need today. A quiet moment in a quiet place to hear a still, small voice. Secondly, we admire his, cre- his creation and what he has given you. We take beauty in what's around us. That a God who is whole and mighty and perfect, that created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, took enjoyment in a perfect world. So surely us, as a broken people, that live in a broken world, can find the beauty of what once was. And thirdly, we seek his presence. I've been going through the Psalms a lot lately. And in the Psalms, I find it so interesting. Because you see the full life of David just thrown on pieces of paper. It is like David's diary. And there's two realities that David shows, and I think it's two realities we live in. A reality of praise or a reality of lament. And throughout the Psalms, David is either praising or lamenting. He needs to lament, and at the same time, he has a desire to praise. So today, Are you finding your rest? Are you finding that quiet place? Are you finding that quiet time? Where maybe you can just get on your knees with your hands open and say, God, speak to me. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. I don't regret what happened yesterday. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. 
but God, right now, I'm making a covenant with you that I would not take for granted the gift you have given me. That I may rest and abide in your presence. So as Pascal and the worship team come back up, maybe right now, maybe in the days to come, maybe you need to find a time to rest. To be still and to know that he is God. That, I don't re- that you don't need to regret yesterday, to live in the regret of yesterday, and you don't need to live in the worry of tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. But you just need to sit, kneel, or lay down, and embrace the presence of the Father. Father, Lord, I pray that as we go from here today, that we would know your spirit is with us and it is for us. And that, Father, every time we pray, every time we fast, every time we read your word, we're not doing it out of a habit that was taught to us, but, God, we're doing it out of a need for greater relationship with you. That we can abide in your presence. That we can be your child. For you knit us together. You knew our very frame before we even came to be. So Father, I pray as we go from here, God, and even in these next few moments of worship, that God, you would speak because we came to a place of quietness. We came into a place of restfulness. that we would be like Samuel and we would say, here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. We thank you, God, for these moments. God, I pray that if there is one here that needs prayer, if there is one here that needs a word, that God, whether it be here, whether it be in their life outside of here, that, God, that they would find it. Whether that is from your word, whether that is by your spirit, or whether it is an exhortation from someone else through your spirit. Thank you, God. And we believe and we expect for your spirit to fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, you have my heart. I-
I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Let me be to you a sacrifice. to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.